The wheel of time turns and ages come and go, leaving memories that become legend. Legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth comes again. In one age, called the Third Age by some, an age yet to come, an age long past, a wind rose in the mountains of mist. The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the Wheel of Time. But it was a beginning. The Wheel of Time turns and podcasts come and go. Welcome to Wattcast of Wheel of Time Book and Watch Club. We are reading through Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series and watching Amazon's Wheel of Time TV show. I'm Caleb Wimble and with me are Dan Katinsky. Hey everyone. Keely Frank. Hello. And joining today as a new regular co-host to help us through our read of the great hunt, friend of the show, Nick Wicks. Hey guys. Uh, Nick, you've been a guest on Wattcast a couple of times now, talking with us about the TV show, and here you are uh, having only just read the whole book series, like, last year, and now, uh, for our benefit and the benefit of our listeners, diving back into the novel, which probably makes you the most knowledgeable person on the show about, <laughs> uh, of, like, fresh Wheel of Time head wiki going on, so uh, I'll just put that that particular burden on uh uh, you being our throw-to for whatever little bit of esoterica that I cannot remember throughout the series. Yep, yep, happy to help. <laughs> I, I couldn't get, I couldn't stay away. I finished the series and I felt like I was, uh, like I, a part of my life was now missing. So when, uh, when, when I heard your, your fourth co-host uh, was not here this season, I, <laughs> I saw, I saw the opportunity. <laughs> Yeah, you're just going to have to keep uh, finding a cycle to fill the, the Wheel of Time hole in your life, right? Like, uh, if, if the podcast ever ends on the TV show, you've got to jump on the next uh, adaptation. Yeah, I'll start fan fiction podcasting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's an infinite rabbit hole. Um, well, we'll get into it in just a second. Listeners, remember you can find us at Wattcast.net and support the show at Patreon.com slash Wattcast. Your support means a lot. Even $2 at the Two Rivers tier helps. And if you join us at the $5 Tar Valentier, you'll get access to the White Tower and special bonus episodes where we talk about other fantasy properties like Dune and The Witcher and pretty soon probably some other, other Wheel of Time ephemera. Email us questions, comments, and corrections via contact at Wattcast.net with the subject line questions. We'll answer them here on the show. So today, uh, like I said, we're digging into book two, The Great Hunt. We're continuing about halfway through the whole novel already at this point as we get into chapters 26 to 30. Uh, Nick, I forgot to prep you for this. So I'm just going to I'm just going to throw you put put you on the spot. Do you want to make be the one to make the attempt to give our like brief uh, five sentence summary of, of what went on in these chapters? This week, do you feel do you feel up to it? Uh, just uh, just whatever stood out to you as like our, our big takeaways, plot wise. Sure. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we just finished the Dias de Mar or however it's pronounced uh, chapter um, where we start getting into the great game and the Carrion fun uh, with Tom and and Tom entering the picture again. But that's so I guess we're we're heading backwards in my in my assessment since I just finished reading chapter thirty. Uh, but before that, right, it looks like. Um, Rand 
takes. Uh, <laughs> actually, Caleb, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I am prepared to read this. I'm, I'm just opening your episode notes now. Oh, that's okay. I will. Uh, I'll give it my best shot because uh, a shitload of things happen in this chapters. Um, a lot of people introduced. A lot of factions brought to light. Yeah. So, so like you said, we left off last time with uh, with Tom coming back into the picture. We meet uh, Dina or Dana, Tom's new apprentice, uh, who uh, is also his lover. Um, who I, I, I guess like. She, she kind of leads for the main discussion, but the, the takeaway is Tom refuses to, to, to get sucked into all this this time. He's not going to get back on the road and a part of, uh, you know, being hunted by Trollocs and, and whatever's going on with the Horn of Valier, which Rand does tell him about. Um, not going to do it. Absolutely not. We're never going to see Tom Marilyn again. Um, and then uh, uh, Rand and Loyal, they, they, they leave. They get attacked by Trollocs. And what ensues, I can only describe as shenanigans for the course of, of several chapters of like running about the city, winding up in the Illuminators chapter house, uh, hiding, there's violence, fireworks go off, dark friends after them, um, all sorts of crazy shit and explosions and fires, and the city is just going crazy, culminating with the inn being set on fire, Rand saving Hurin's life, uh, but the Horn of Valley are being lost right as Perrin and, uh, and Matt and, and Varen Sedai and Inktar and all the Shinarns show up uh, just after the nick of time, too late to save the Horn. Uh, mean, uh, meanwhile, they were on the road here. They encountered Nailman with a, a whole bunch of new prophecy-related information. Uh, and we jumped over, in point of view, to uh, two white cloaks on the West Coast uh, who are pursuing, like, the trail of destruction left by the invading Shan Chan, who we get introduced to in the flesh from the perspective of Bale Doman again, the merchant uh, on the spray who ferried some of the main party in the first book and is becoming an increasingly larger part of the plot here as he has sort of taken on a whirlwind tour of this fresh um, incursion, the, the Shanshan invasion in onto the west coast of, of our you know continent here where everything's taking place. I don't know if we have a name for continent yet. Uh, like I said, like a lot of chaos, whirlwind of things going on here, um, but really propelling the plot forward um, into some um, wide-spanning directions, uh, which I would just say uh, my, my partner Eric remarked on, <laughs> on these chapters after the read-through, and I think somebody, I, I think one of us said something similar in the, in the chat uh, but eric said said something like well uh you can clearly see in the great hunt at this point exactly why this series wound up being 14 books long uh, at the nu- the number of the number of plot threads and like 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 changing factions and the world just exploding uh, before our eyes in terms of like the scope of what things are going on and what kind of story this is and what it's about and who our threats and antagonists are. Uh, so all that said, uh, Keely, what are, what are your highlights this week from our read? Um, I think I just really enjoy having Tom back because um, mm. he was definitely one of the favorite characters. Um, I kept <laughs> I kept writing down and saying, why is Rand so stupid? How is Rand so stupid? <laughs> um Really still enjoying Loyal and hoping that we get more from like, I don't know, have we had anything from his point of view? I don't think so. I would love to have something from from his point of view. Um, the White Cloaks, the more that I learn about, like the more that we learn about them, the more I just 100% think like, oh, this is a fucked up cult. Like <laughs> there are no yeah. redeeming <laughs> factors yet for me. Uh, well, you know what? Bornhold might be a little bit of like a good person, on the spectrum, of course, of like yeah, he, he, he's <laughs> the moderate 
uh, extremist nut job. <laughs> yeah, like he's not murdering kids. Like we'll give him that. He's not. He's not murdering kids. Um, I did enjoy the descriptions of the. Is it the Xianchen? I don't know how to say. Xianchen. Yeah. yeah. I did enjoy the descriptions of like how people remember them um, and mm. thinking that like, oh, well, they have the heads of insects and they, they have like these dark creatures that travel with them. I thought that was really interesting to then learn what that actually plays out as. Um, mm -hmm. And I was just happy that Celine was not a huge <laughs> character because <again laughs> man, do I fucking hate her. Yeah. Yeah, she uh she slips out again almost as soon as she comes back into the plot here, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just long enough to do her whole uh Rand, you must be a lord <laughs> routine. <laughs> yeah, and then give him some like vague note about how like, oh well we'll be together, you're mine. Like, you're fucking weird, go away. No one likes you. <laughs> uh Dan, what what about you? What what were the big highlights? Oof. Um I don't know. It was a little, this was probably the most confusing set of chapters or just the pacing was like very off. I feel like it jumped from one story to the next and there's just like too much going on. Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't, nothing really like stood out to me as super exciting. It felt like kind of one, like it, it felt very episodic. Like we had like the adventures with Rand and Loyal kind of running around. Um, if I was kind of random, the whole fireworks and kind of like secret society group, uh, it didn't really feel like it fit in with the overall narrative felt very like side story ish so i wasn't i'm not a huge fan of like side stories i can't really see that relate to the main story so i kind of started to lose a little interest so no oh, they huge... will don't don't worry those oh, i'm sure they will yeah be back. like <laughs> i mean a lot of things i like i recognize like hopefully i don't think the first book had too many like tangents that didn't actually go anywhere but like i was a little concerned he was just throwing stuff in here um for the sake of like expanding the world, but I assumed he was going to use them at some point because there's 14 books. So <laughs> I assumed like everything we get introduced to, we'll see eventually. But at the moment, it didn't feel very critical to the story. Um, anyway, I did like the Chan Chan. I was a little disappointed by the fact it's like they seem very Asian inspired, yet they're still white. Like everyone seems white in the books. Um, the show obviously diversifies them from the ending of season one when they're like shortly introduced, but it seems very strange that everyone's like super fair skinned. Um, even though it seems like they're heavily appropriating like Asian <laughs> like aesthetic. So mm -hmm. that's a little odd to me in the books. Um, uh, the white cloak stuff, I was ha they were mentioning the Chan Chan, but it was like not clear the connection until it got to the boat stuff for me. So I was like a little confused about the parties there and the Inquisitors. So I think that was like the most confusing mm -hmm. set for me because they kept throwing around a bunch of names, a bunch of little uh, factions within the white cloaks, uh, a lot of different like towns, and everything. So I think I was a little confused about what exactly was occurring there, um, but everything else made sense. Which is partly because Bornhold is so confused about what's actually. Yeah, Bornhold's super confused. So I'm very confused as a reader. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be confused or if I was supposed to be following along, but I was like, that that half of the chapter felt a little confusing for me. Well, I think that's that that's the purpose of splitting it, right? We get like Bornhold setting up the mystery of what is yeah. going on with the Shanchan, and then we jump over to Bail Doman, who gets captured by the Shanchan, so we can we can see from the inside as as they, he gets even brought into the court, which. Uh, I thought was like that was actually I thought pretty well threaded because we already had established you know that he's a collector of um, of, of relics uh, from the age of legends, which then mm. immediately brings him, brings him to interest as a prize to be delivered to the the lord of heading up the local invasion here. Yeah, no, yeah, that that ties nicely together. But it's just like I don't know, I I get like hung up on like the small small details about like both 
ev- why is everyone white, especially with kind of like the regions they live in, and everything, and kind of like the cultures? Like, so the Aiel are also like pale skin but red haired. I'm like, if they live up it's in true. the desert, you think they'd be pretty tan, <laughs> or like like or more like darker skin? Not everyone being so pale ass in the book. So like, I'm just confused by that because they've introduced now two different factions from like different parts of the the region or world, and everyone's just like white. So I was hung up on that a little bit, but. They're not universally. It does seem to be the majority of places, but there are uh, there are places like um, Aradoman, like the Domani characters are usually described as being dark skinned and having um, and having dark hair, and they're and they're often uh, they're often described in like uh, and I think coded in kind of like an in, in Indian or Pakistani ki- kind of way, uh, and mm-hmm. it looks like the show is going that direction as well with most of the Domani characters we've seen. Um, but yeah, I think predominantly where it does feel like we're there there are like other countries that are like you know there there's um there's fake there's fake spain and there's like the fake sort sort of like um medieval moorish uh faction but mostly we've got that whole like ultra white fantasy europe yeah like european which is yeah which is odd because like the amazon show is like really departing from that and having so much diversity Mm -hmm. um so it feels very european like white centric um but i did like the aiel introduction i thought he was a cool character and kind of hints at how Mm -hmm. like powerful like their soldiers are and kind of like how composed they are so i thought that like dance between like him constantly just wanting to like fight or like whatever it was and like labeling it as a dance was fun like he was all always ready to go and then he's like disappointed and then him fearing the ice to die was like a nice little touch i think if i had to like list a highlight just kind of processing through all that i think that was my favorite part of the chapters mm-hmm. but sorry that was a uh, i was just <laughs> trying to figure out what my highlight was so it's kind of ranting on there no that's uh, fair enough that's stuff that uh that came bubbling the top of mind uh what about you nick what we're revisiting um I think you said less than a year since the last time you read this one, uh, right? But what, what, what were your big highlights coming back? To yeah, it has been less than a year. Uh, <laughs> I, it was. It, it's like they they have the horn, they don't have the horn, they have the <laughs> horn, they don't have the horn. <laughs> it's funny as I'm rereading this. It, it's like guys, the fate of the world rests on this horn, and they're like, oh, I think we'll just leave it in our our like public in room with one person watching it. <laughs> so it's, that's what I kept thinking through out this like these few chapters it really, it really is the Maltese falcon huh it's like the 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 archetypal MacGuffin to just be traded hands as often as possible yeah so th- so that caught my eye uh, a few of my character a few of my like I I think a few of the characters that that I didn't even realize were all the way back in in these books uh show up uh and mm. and then a couple of my favorites as well Uno uh showed up in this one uh t- you know with the with the Aiel uh, on the rocks in the middle of of the chapters um, was a cool introduction to, I think the Aiel and, uh, you know, kind of an ominous uh, foreshadowing of like, these guys are, are pretty badass. <laughs> like, so something crazy is going on with them. Uh, and then the fireworks scene to me uh, is, was like a very big one that I remember uh, very distinctly in my head. Um, so rereading it uh, and like sort of knowing what's going to happen, but also like mm-hmm. noticing things I didn't notice before. Um, I think the fireworks scene is really fun. It does feel a little like, you know, kind of Looney Tunes-ish, like them running around and like losing people yeah. and it's like jumping into doorways and launching fireworks. But but I think it's a, it, it was a fun part. And also I think Huron is a great character. I think he's yeah. he's one I really enjoy and he he plays a foil to Rick Rand well. And even like throughout the series, I think he helps. Um, you can see Rand's character developing through how he treats uh, Huron and people like Huron. Those are kind of the, the parts that stood out to me. 
Yeah, I I remembered. I was thinking back to the very very first time I read this as a kid, um, and feeling the same way in those uh, those running around the city scenes to where it, it's very impressionistic. Like I even after I, I went back and reread some of the passages, I really don't understand the geography of everything that happens. Like there are times I think they're like way outside the city, and then it seems that they are like you know right downtown and in, in the middle of it or where, where the chapter house is. But it turns out it didn't really matter because it's more about like the set pieces and the the characters being introduced and 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 where those are as they're as they as they are just rushing around the city in that way um giving us kind of like the 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 brief madcap tour of Kaoyan before it all burns down um i'm trying to think of like what really doubt these ones to me yeah i'd almost forgotten celine showed up again uh, to have <laughs> that uh that very brief disappearance uh she she really is um she really is doing her thing um the aiel yeah the aiel scene it's amazing how much information they give there uh, and how much is just like laid out about uh about their prophecies and like where things might be headed plot wise there um in a way uh that we'll uh, that we'll come back to um and yeah actually i, I don't know if maybe maybe Bornhold scene might have been uh, actually the one that sounded like not 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 quite your favorite Dan or at least the one that was most confusing that that might have been with foreknowledge my favorite to come back to because of uh, maybe just having like the additional context for that one um, and seeing how that's going to play out with the with the white cloaks factions here but yeah the Sean the Sean Chan are an interesting topic um, as they are depicted here as this invading force where like you said Dan lots of lots of Asian coding lots lots of like like, um, uh, there, there, there are elements that seem um, very, very much like, uh, like Jordan, you know, fan of of samurai films and of and of j- like shogunata era Japanese courts and and customs and and kimonos and elements. There, there are things that seem pl- seem plucked from more of a Chinese bent to them. And then, like you say, they are um, they're they're described as being pale and and uh, blonde in, in several cases. We have like this really white look. And and their speech is described as slurred and drawn out uh, in in a way that uh, doesn't get like described. Well, it, it gets descri- I guess it does get a couple of times here where, where we have like remarks about like the like the almost lilting, like weird uh, twang at the end or musicality to the extent that people as a as a, you know, 90s Internet watch trivia thing. People debated for many years what the hell the Sean Chan accent was supposed to sound like and what the dialogue or what the dialect was, rather, until someone point blank asked Robert Jordan at a panel at Dragon Mouth um, at at one point, or at Dragon Con, uh, rather, what the Shan Shan accent was modeled after, and he did not bat an eye in responding, "Oh, Texan. It's uh, their their East Texan is the Wait, what? the accent that's going on here." Yeah, <laughs> and the moment you know that and start reading all their lines with that draw, uh, it, it 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 does a very interesting thing to your uh, is... to your mental I- image of of the Shan Shan and to other elements of their culture. And he, and I think he might've talked about or came up in that panel. Yeah. That, that he was essentially like modeled the round. He wanted to combine elements of American empire as embodied in Texans and like white Texans, um, like, uh, like, uh, like uh, invading Mexico's territories, uh, uh, essentially, uh, combined with, um, like, uh, I forget which, which Chinese dynasty he mentioned at that point, but yeah, that was his original concept for like, um, uh, for the Shan Shan of like plucked, jo- like broad elements of American and Chinese imperialism. So yeah, make of that what you will. <laughs> 
I feel like I, I the te- the Texan thing actually fits my what I imagined. Like I was thinking like East Texan or like Tennessee, like you know, nice to meet you, Caleb. You know, like that <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. of uh, <laughs> like accent. And, but then also just like in a Japanese samurai outfit. That's kind of how I pictured them. Uh, the the women the women in leashes is that the <laughs> Texas inspired? Oh God. Well, that's a uh, well. Yeah, we got we got to talk about that, right? That we get introduced to their what, how their channelers are treated here, uh, and <laughs> a little barbaric. Uh, yeah, uh, and the, the, there's like the comment that a, a gay is it a Ganon uh, or or uh, I think it's a Ganon who is the um, I don't she she kind of she feels to me like a so I, I don't know if she's actually in the military of the Shanshan or she's like a like um what like Sir Francis Drake kind of like commissioned pirate for for them sort of thing but but regardless like she captures the spray bail Doman's ship and takes it as as uh, as prize that she's going to give to uh to high lord turok um no relation to the dinosaur video games on the nintendo 64 uh that uh yeah that sh- she is she has a line at one point um that uh the oh oh right 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 not the scene's coming back to mind uh bail Doman call, calls one of her Damane um, and Aes Sedai and somebody either either a Ganon or her or one of her guards like like backhands him across the face and it's like this grave insult and she has this bit about how no, the, the Damani are they are what Aes Sedai is are in name only true servants of all by which she means like you know bound slaves that are uh, forced to uh, use one power for their own for their owners and I don't know that we know how yet at this point and I don't want to give away um, any of the mechanics here that don't really come out in the chapter but we know they have that these chains and collars um and we uh, and we also learned that um relics of the age of legends are maybe more common among the shan chan or at least that uh, quendalar is the the heartstone substance and now and remember that we were reminded that bail doman has one of the seals on the dark one's prison <laughs> or one of the the physical manifestations of the seals and now the shan chan have it uh, or high lord turok does as a, as a gift from a game yeah, I was trying to look back. I know I wrote it down at some point. I was keeping track of how many seals we were aware of. There's, I think, three now, right, that we know of? Uh Oh, God, I don't even remember where any of them are other, th- like, other than this one. Did, did Moraine keep the one from... So there was one that was broken. Mm-hmm. And then... That was with the horn. Yeah, and then we knew Dalman had one, and I thought that there was one more. I'm looking back through my notes. I feel like it was mentioned earlier in this book, but I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not recalling the. It was too long ago now. We know that none of them are in the White Tower anymore, when that's where they all were and were, yeah. were supposed to be kept uh, until... Um, the last time um, Arthur Hawking's armies invaded. Oh yeah, and that's a uh, something something critical about uh, the Shanchan. They claim to be uh, the the empire of Arthur Hawking, and you know they're the whole the, this whole thing is characterized as a returning, and they're making everybody reswear these oaths that they believe everybody here is has forsaken, like uh, that and that they they've forgotten, and they're um, and they're kind of doing this. Uh, the slash and burn thing where they where they arrive at a village that they raid on the coast and conquer it completely and kill a bunch of people and make everybody swear the oaths um, and then they kind of just leave after that and they're like okay now uh, now be good and we're gonna be back at some point and <laughs> watch for the returning but otherwise you just kind of get to go back to your well, your affairs well the they, they they're taking yeah they're taking their they're channeling women and installing right, like puppet yes. governments like they they leave a couple people as like kind of just babysitting the villages are kind of like installed as like a, a pseudo lead mm-hmm. 
Well, in some places, but then in others, we find out like there, you know, that there's just like an elected mayor or or, or, or some other. But um, but yeah, I guess crucially, they are they are kidnapping any women who have even the potential to channel. I guess like they're going, they test all of them when they come to town, or all or all the young. Women. Um, and uh, and we don't know yet what happens to them after, but presumably nothing good prior. I can't find where. Damn it! I know I wrote it down. I'll have to keep looking. Um, one thing I wanted to say though about uh. Dan, you were saying, you know, everyone is is hella white in this. Um, I, as a ginger, have a very hard time believing that gingers <laughs> could survive in the fucking desert. <laughs> Like, I get sunburn just, like, opening my window. There's no fucking way that people could stay pale out in the desert. So I take issue with that. I, I firmly believe Robert Jordan had never met a ginger in his life <laughs> trying to write that. Well, they, they do wrap their bodies head to toe, uh, including, like, a, a veil over their face when they're, when they're going to Yeah, the but combat. you think like, about regions, though, and, like, geography. Yeah. So it's, like, like, Ireland, which is, like, probably the first place a lot of people think of for, like, gingers and kind of, like, mm-hmm. a large population population of them it's that's true like always cloudy and everything it's like up north it's like you like regions like your like your complexion usually reflects kind of the climate that generations have been in for a while because your body adapts to that so it's like hard even if you're wrapping up like it just seems strange that you'd be very pale in the desert for that long did you guys also notice um one one thing i saw here remembered to here is like the introduction of 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 calf like the the robert jordan version of of coffee oh right yeah the uh because i think at one point like uh, turok um like at or or someone brings turok lord turok like a cup of calf they call it and it's <laughs> just like a funny you know, caffeine coffee drink with which I they did, do like a tea a tea ceremony basically <laughs> yeah yeah i did i didn't like <laughs> i didn't put that together that's funny yeah, oh, so he's got like funny. the cup of calf and then the quendalar like plate that he's like <laughs> just keeping hanging around so i think there's only two of them found unless did he say that there was one then in that um on the shelf where turok put his i think he oh he, like he had he had another seal there already <laughs> I couldn't yeah. tell whether there was another seal or just lots of Quindalar like objects. Mm. That was like the final. Was that the last chapter or was it the one more? 29. Okay, I'll have to look back. Um, question. Does Tom know Huron? Is that what we're supposed to think? Oh, yeah, he does, right? Like, or at least he recognizes the yeah. name when, when Rand says it. When Rand says it, Tom makes some kind of comment that I was like, oh, he must know him. Yeah, that seems very odd. Like, Tom seems to almost know too much as a character. Like, I don't know. That's How does job. he know this, yeah, like, he, random sniffer? He juggles sniffer, and he knows things. Yeah, but that's, he's like some random sniffer from up in, like, the north, like, fort. Like, I don't know. It seems to be a very loose connection there it almost seems like too small of a world if like tom knows all these people yeah he is um extremely well connected uh although i guess we we what we know what we know from eye of the world is that he's not just a gleeman even though like a gleeman's job is to travel yeah. all the all over the world collecting story stories and and news and, and information he, he also he was in court intrigue and politics in in andor we know but then that is a that is a very long way from Shyanar. so yeah it's, it is interesting that he would be that tied in um did he did he know did ingtar's name come up or was it just forget all the stuff that Rand starts telling him everything much to loyal's dismay 
I think it was his turn. And then he kind of like gave a start like he knew who that was, but I'm spacing them. Hmm. But regardless, it just seems like like his character is mm-hmm. a great character for being able to explain well, like world building because he just he conveniently knows so much about it. But sometimes I'm just like, this guy knows too much. It's like <laughs> he's like a little walking Wikipedia. It is three. <laughs> Sorry, I just went back and looked. It is three. Okay, it's fucking three. Yeah, so um, the Amaralyn seat, I guess, has the broken one. And then Doman mm-hmm. had one. And it's it said the line is that Tarak put it on the shelf next to its exact twin. So that's, that's okay. three of the seven now. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> well, we'll keep a, a tracker going. Uh, a website that just marks the number of accounted uh, unbroken. The last I mean, there's, book there's I was seven keeping total? track of horses. Yeah, there's seven. You're keeping track of horses? That's fun. And the last one, yeah. The Amerlin Watcher of the Seals only has one seal. <laughs> it's broken. <laughs> They're doing a great job. Uh, about as well as they are protecting the horn at this point. That's true. Ouch. Need, need a tracker for that. Somebody put, uh, put a tile or a, a tag tile. on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Find My Horn uh, Valair app. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to think of. Um, I did I did not highlight a whole lot in these chapters because it was just so much density of of motion with the stuff going on with Rand and the you know like almost pure action scenes interspersed with reintroductions of characters or um or, or new characters like the Illuminators chapter house and we're kind of like hearing their voices before we even see them and getting introduced to those new characters that way um and then huge amounts of lore in. Like, like there's some from Tom, but then there's the, everything from the Aiel and Varen is extremely interested in this stuff. Like the Aiel is just like spouting things that uh, are apparently like huge news, not just everyone else gathered, but to Varen, who is a really knowledgeable brown Sedai. And they're like the, the Aes Sedai charged with the, the keeping of the books, essentially. They're the, they're the librarian Aja. And even this is all new to her. Like the, um, the Aiel calls her a wise one or a wise woman. And she's like trying to figure out what that is and learning that the Aes Sedai or that the, the Aiel have channelers of their own, hearing about a place called Royadan and, uh, and then the Aiel getting kind of uh, like clamming up because he's wor- worried about the Aes Sedai killing him, but also worried about the wise ones being furious with them if he gives away things he's supposed to back. Can, can, so can, a lot. Yeah, and then I don't like the Celine stuff. I I know we all like really dislike her character. It's just like crazy to me how like I don't know. There, it's getting a little ridiculous. Their dynamic because it's like Rain almost does like he's just trying to do his like cliche like gentleman like protecting the woman and everything and, and treating her like royalty. Um, and she's just like being as obnoxious as possible and just like very clear about like she. It's just like they're both fed up of each other, and it's so ridiculous. Because she, I think, at one point she even tells him to die, which is just like super absurd and dramatic and everything. It's just like I don't know. I really don't know where they're going with her character, but they really need to get there soon because this is like they need to reveal what her actual intentions are. Because this back and forth is just getting ridiculous. And like, and he's like, and Loyal is like, she slipped away. I can't do anything. I'm like, why don't you just let her go? Like, why are you guys trying to like <laughs> keep her with you or protect her? She's an asshole. Like, she clearly, clearly doesn't not, stay not with actually. <laughs> Yeah, not in distress either. Like, she's yeah. obviously not bothered by the danger of anything. She's just, like, situations. bored and annoyed by everything. She's just like, he's like, here, put this. It's like, they're like, it almost like, it almost makes the situation seem a little absurd because they're just, like, doing their thing and, like, kind of ducking and covering. She's literally just, like, strolling around with her, like, cloak. Like, apparently her dress is, like, super white and very apparent. And she just doesn't give a fuck. So she's just like, I'm just going to stroll around here. And she's like, you're being absurd. And she's like, oh. And the entire time is just always, like, mocking him for not being like a man or whatever she's like or like the the lord he's supposed to be or whatever she's like like if you had balls you would like kill like you would be able to kill these like trollocks no problem like hurry up and make a decision you're like wasting Mm -hmm. time like 
you're not brave enough for other. It's just I don't know. The dynamic is almost car- cartoony. It you could almost turn into like a rom com of like <laughs> this really annoying person just like nagging the other one in the back and forth there with I don't know. It's just such a strange addition to this book. Sometimes I really wish that Loyal was like more of an outlier with. Um, the Ogiers, because that whole thing about like, oh, she got away, couldn't like, I wanted him to just punch her in the head and be like, I don't know what fucking happened, <laughs> like, <laughs> she just fell over, because I, I just, I was so annoyed that entire section because of what you were saying, that like, she was so fucking obvious about everything, and Rand is yeah. just like not seeing shit because he's just like, oh, <laughs> I can't stop thinking about fucking her, so I guess I have to protect yeah, her body. Later. It's but so soft and hard. <laughs> to fuck you guys over it's so obvious and that's i feel like she kind of has noticed that too and that's why she's not even fucking trying anymore yeah, yeah like, she, really like, like, she doesn't have to do shit and he's just like oh yeah. i love you and it's, but it's I'm also like he, he's like i love you and i'm super into you but i don't want to kiss you and like i feel really <laughs> bad looking at you <laughs> it's just like super like repressed yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, what of a Gwen who like yeah oh like that's like, like, down there. <laughs> oh yeah, just not a not a pleasant dynamic there. It, it gets me really annoyed because it's just like really freaking obvious, and he's almost like writing his like Jordan is trying really hard to make Rand stupid in these scenarios, or like like Nick said, very repressed, and it's just like a, a bad combination, of just like cringy content. So I I want them to move on because Rand is growing on me in several other areas and other, but then he still kind of reminds me he's a dumbass a lot of the time. That I think that was part. Of, oh, sorry, go ahead, Nick. No, I was gonna say that's it's so funny that uh, I was listening to the last few episodes where you guys were talking, and it it was funny how much I was reminded of the same like character journeys I went through with both Matt and Rand, and like it sounds like you're going through the exact same one. Like Matt is just the worst character in the first couple <laughs> books, and like I just I was like skipping chapters. It was so bad when I first read it because I was like, I just, I just don't give a shit. And then Rand, yeah, slowly grows on you, and it does feel like that back and forth of like he's he's being pulled into being a more mature person, but at the same time he's being pulled back like two steps forward, one step back yeah. every, for his yeah. whole character in the in the first few books. I think that's why it was really refreshing to me to get into the the Bornhall perspective chapter or, and, and the Doman mm. one uh, to have these you know much more much more uh, mature in the literal sense of, of age and worldly worldliness characters in very different ways. You know, Bornhall, you have this dynamic of giving the insight into the the rifts within the White Cloaks and his his commitment to the cause, but you know, like uh, not not uh, not being uh, not not being down with the I don't know the combination opus dei slash isis of the questioners in in their yeah. going about and declaring every, everyone a, a, a everyone a dark friend to the point where they're murdering children and um, getting his perspective on on that um, in brief, and then Doman's dynamic of. I do be none of my business. No, no, I'm just a try. <laughs> just got to get back to my business the whole time, trying to stay out of this whole mess and just getting pulled into the wake seemingly of all the biggest things going on in the world right now. Like, like, um, by, by really, I guess just too. Well, does, does everything that's happened to Doman come out of, I guess it does follow as a plot consequence of his first encounter with the Taveran with, uh, with Matt and with, and with Rand and with the Trollocs chasing them onto his ship. And his life just spiraling uh, from there into to the point where he is he's getting you know uh, whoever's trying to murder him secret society wise which he thinks might be dark friends but also 
children of the light who are trying to get him killed and then getting tangled, caught by the Shanchan and brought into their court politics and is now like sort of a prize got by, uh, by a gay nin, um, as just like, you know, just the dude trying to sell shit and collect his knickknacks, uh, <laughs> uh, and generally be like a pretty, a pretty good captain, it seems, and competent at his job and, and savvy, but, uh, but just like really, really, um, like, uh, like sailing against the storm here. The whole time he's like, maybe I can sell them some fireworks. <laughs> like, every time they like do something to him, maybe they'll buy some fireworks from me. How can I capitalize on this this world shifting invasion that's going on right here? I like that. So they they kind of made it a point in an earlier chapter of showing how like wow so many people know Rand and it's like you know going into that Tavern thing about how like he's changing lives without meaning to. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that Domin is an example of it not being a good thing of it being <laughs> like you know this yeah. chosen one can show up in your life and just fuck everything up. And mm-hmm. I kind of like that alternate perspective where, like, I felt really anxious for Doman the whole time. It's like, he was just trying to be nice. And now because he knows this stupid ginger kid, everything's getting fucked up and he <laughs> yeah, can get murdered. Yeah. And it's like, that part, like, I felt so bad for him. Um, but I, I think, you know, Rand is growing on me in a tiny, tiny way. <laughs> and it was when he, he like, he saved Huron. He got the stupid cloak and all that. And then he's sitting outside and one, they finally fucking show up at the very end. Yeah, and he's yeah. just like hysterically, like he's losing his shit, just laughing. Like, of course you're <laughs> fucking here now. And it's like, I relate to that feeling so much. I'm just like, you're just so done with life that you're just laughing because you can't do anything else. Like, okay, I appreciate that. That trauma response I attach to. <laughs> The Diaste Mar too uh, in the last chapter gets really gets really uh, comical too, just with Rand getting all these like oh uh, yeah you know, <laughs> like bequests to like come come you know meet uh, random uh, lords uh-huh. from different houses and then just like throwing them in the fire. <laughs> well, now now they're not even random. It's like it escalates to like the High Lord of uh, uh, whoever the ruling house of Carrion is, and it basically like negged the houses into fawning over him essentially, right? By <laughs> by by rejecting the the lower houses. Now everybody thinks he must be super important. Uh, <laughs> it's really like... big plays in the game here. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, it was funny when we were going through this too. I kept thinking like, I wonder how they're going to play this in the show if they're going to make it sort of like Game of Thronesy, or or if it will be more like comical how it sort of almost comes off in the books yeah I kind of like that vibe that the whole idea of like there's something fun about the dynamic of like rich important quote-unquote people like mistaking somebody of like who's like lesser or like doesn't recognize their importance just like as like a super important character but they're just kind of like brushing it off there's like a fun dynamic there mm-hmm. it almost feels a little bit i don't know we were, we were watching that discovering anna or whatever show on netflix josh is like was super obsessed with it oh, i haven't heard of them the one about the the con artist a few years ago who was like fooling people into thinking she was like a princess of like some russian lord or something it was like ridiculous okay. so she got into like new york's like high and mighty life and everything it was like taking instagram selfies with all these people she was able to like pretty much scam a bunch of like one percenters into giving her like millions of dollars and then like uh, like served jail time and now like she's in custody with ice because or, like her passport expired or something mm-hmm. it's like a ridiculous story but kind of like there's this like fun dynamic of like somebody who doesn't belong in that society kind of making their way through 
an off yeah, like yeah. With, with ridiculous measures that you don't think could actually happen, but they did. So it's like that ran like just like tearing things up or just kind of like ignoring it. But then that makes people mm-hmm. more into it. Just seems like a tactic that like she would have done. And every and doing and saying things that have significance that he doesn't realize because everything has some yeah. complicated symbolic. Actually, you know what it reminded me of weirdly of all things was uh, Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut with Tom Cruise uh, just blundering into this uh, secret sex society like a you know secret occultic sex society of rich people in in new york and the movie is kind of has this like dark comical tone whereas through the whole thing he's just increasingly blundering his way into more and more of 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 this absurd like alternate world there except with the twist here that everyone in it thinks that rand is part of it and 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 a huge important uh part in the course of it and he's trying to and whatever he does to extricate himself gets (laughs) just gets him deeper further there yeah yeah i'm curious about the show too because it 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 does read i wasn't sure i think i mentioned before like there i wondered if parts of it they, they almost felt like parody to me but i think in these chapters i don't know if it's satirizing anything actually but it does feel to me that it's meant to be somewhat comedic at, at, at least I, I that, that doesn't feel like an, an accident yeah. to me, but, but I, i'm not sure <laughs> yeah i'm worried that the show the show is a little too self-serious i think they i would have liked if they could have included some of like oh, lord of the rings had where they had like this fun blend of like humor that the hobbits were thrown in or just like small comical moments that would have like peter jackson's touch but like i feel like successful dramas and like narratives and like fantasies are able to to like kind of throw in those moments because like it just makes you more your characters more endearing where if you're self-serious all the time it's mm. harder to like attach to your characters like you got to have like those those funny moments or like include some of the satire and have a little self-awareness otherwise you're just like i don't know i feel well, like that's just some factor... what season one was lacking that's also eye of the world though right like i i the world does not have a whole lot of comedy <laughs> yeah, it, that, that yeah. i'm remembering anyway i'm just hoping they don't take this too serious and try to go a game of thrones route because i kind of uh-huh. like that's a little absurd and it kind of makes it its own thing and it doesn't need to be game of thrones we don't need like we don't need a clone of that so it'd be nice if they kind of took this in the more comical and less super serious mm-hmm. manner yeah i'm hoping that they will continue in the way that like my brain is processing it in that the fact that you know all of this is happening to rand while he's just trying to survive because like the world is ending it shows how kind of like superficial all of this shit is um Mm -hmm. that like he's not even trying and they're like oh my god he's so fucking important and so that just like that to me is like a commentary on how stupid all of that is and how like that means nothing in the grand scheme of things because like you're all about to get fucked by the dark one anyway so I would really appreciate it if they did do it that like they ke- they made it more of like a dark humor thing um, mm-hmm. because I mean, I think it's loud. It's like a running theme. I say it every fucking episode, but I can't stand politics <laughs> in and in like fantasy worlds or in any books that I read. And so if someone's going to like make fun of it in this context, I think that that would be more enjoyable for me um, just because like I said in the chat that like Robert Jordan fucking loves giving different colors like meaning because he goes out of his way mm-hmm. to point out like, oh, well, Celine's fucking bright white dress was gonna fuck everyone over when they're trying to hide and you know, this person has yellow and this person has blue and I'm like, I can't keep track of that. Why do I have to care about the fucking colors? I don't know what they mean. So I- that's, fu- that's funny because I, th- I think that actually helps me like have a have 
having that uh, that visual symbolism with each of them. Like, I don't know that I could keep track of the Ajas if they if they weren't color coded so conveniently, or at least when I was fir- first reading, it probably would have taken me a lot longer. But but there is something about it that I, d- I don't know. For me, for me, it, having those faction associations uh, does help the stomachs or 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 whatever their own unique visual languages. That like, uh, and then with the Shanchan, we have like you said, their 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 armor and everything. And oh, and the fact that they they ride Grom, and we, we we've learned they have, oh yeah. Um, they have like mo- those and other monsters that we haven't seen before. These giant like reptilian cat looking kind of creatures as well, uh, which I picture as or that the, I think I remember also as a kid picturing the uh, the, the cat tiger fucked up rat creature from Star Wars Episode 2 att- Attack of the Clones in the in the arena on there it was something like that um but yeah i i, I don't know if uh if maybe do you think the i assume the show is going to keep some of that language but um the colors though they like it it serves a purpose in some ways but i actually understand what keely's saying because they all he also throws it in randomly when it doesn't uh-huh. matter too which is when it gets confusing like the carrion uh lords he always talks about the slashes of colors on them mm-hmm. and like it mm-hmm. kind of it gets a little confusing and he'll, he'll always describe i mean there, there i think there's um you know some some online like uh fun being made of of like some of his descriptions of outfits in certain books and uh <laughs> where he just gets super into the color and so sometimes it feels like you don't know whether it does matter or it doesn't until you know later which yeah which did did confuse me a little bit yeah like in the show having the different ajas and different colors was like that made a lot of sense because like mm-hmm. there's so many new characters like visually i can point out like oh i don't know that character's name but they're green so that's good mm-hmm. you know like i can do that but also giving the colors such power with the ajas then makes me confused about what the colors mean when he's describing mm-hmm. other people because then i'm like okay well we know that red and black aja are bad so if this person's got like a red slash is that bad am i supposed to care about that so it's like unless unless there's some overt meaning assigned to it where he's just like pounding me in the fucking face with it it just like the white the white cloaks and yeah the, like it's just shtick. like filler because like yeah, i mean i'm kind of obsessed with the fact that they keep describing selena is wearing white like why does that mm-hmm. matter why do you keep telling us that just fucking tell me already oh <laughs> uh, it, it is taking a while for uh for rand and company to make anything of it. They, they drew a whole bunch of inferences about what selena selena might be up to originally and then it's kind of just like well that's selena let's let's uh let's follow her trail uh when, when he shows up all right. Uh, and any any final thoughts or other things that you, that that y'all wanted to get to on on the set of chapters? The Trolloc fight. They made loyal kill a Trolloc, and then now oh. it's like he's like questioning his life. <laughs> that whole I was trying to picture that because they're like I knew something was happening with like the they referred to it as I guess what was it like a puppet or something. But my brain's having mm-hmm. a hard time visualizing that because it's like they made Trolloc so big and i'm just trying to like figure out how like four humans were like carrying that was it like pretending to be dead like i just i can't put that visual together it just seems like a little well the the people were wearing these huge trollock mascot costumes before it's like uh i'm trying to remember i picture them as very like 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 you know like uh like new year's in like beijing or something i I was picturing very like colorful like very stylized so like that's odd to me that they wouldn't recognize like a very like super realistic trollock as a puppet didn't it didn't it have the mask on though did they put a mask on it that's kind of funny to me then because then you got like a cartoony like you yeah, got like yeah. a dressed up like draw like like trying to disguise like 
I don't know. I just can't picture yeah. it in my head. I have a hard time putting that scene together. It's like Scooby-Doo pulling off the mask and it's a monster face under <laughs> mask kind of thing. I didn't even think they were wearing a mask. I thought they were just like kind of like trying to play as a puppet. And then it's like they were just like maybe, springing yeah, into action. Maybe, maybe, maybe I whole... misread that. Was that in chapter? No, this was like earlier, I think in 26. Oh, when oh, they're okay. coming back yeah. from. It was like it was okay. the beginning of the chase before the fireworks and everything in the, in the society. It's like mm-hmm. he they're walking back. They, Jordan puts a little attention on kind of the Trollock puppet or whatever. It's like he that was the only puppet around. Yeah, like there yeah. weren't others. And then obviously something's going to happen with it. But then it's like it was actually a Trollock. It wasn't a puppet. So I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> right. Yeah, just, right. Even though they called attention before to how little they look like actual Trollocks. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, how does yeah. that? I, it, my brain's not computing. That's like one like author's description or setup that like i'm curious to see how the show handles that because it's it's not working in my brain yeah and that rand then was was rand was he trying to access the void or the power Mm -hmm. and he couldn't oh yeah Yeah. and that's isn't that why then loyal had to get involved because rand like hesitated or something something happens with the void like he it's like sight in or whatever causes him to definitely Yeah, that definitely happens in one of the scenes. Yeah, yeah, that's like shortly after that. He kills the first one with the sword, uh, starts to reach for side and stops, and then a few pages later, more more Trollocs, and yeah, and he's trying to um, trying to reach for it, and there's nothing there. He might as well have been reaching for the light, and he feels the taint, but not the light, and um, and he keeps trying again and again, and he, he only feels the dark. No uh, power. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah, we haven't really had a chance for for Loyal to process his. All right. What what uh, what about you, Keely? Uh, any any final thoughts? Um, I'm happy that they are kind of all back together now, and I like the the added mystery of who stole the horn. <laughs> like the gang's <laughs> all back together, and now they can figure it out. Um, and I also am a hundred percent convinced that Tom is going to show up. Um, because, and I put this in chat, I was like, you know, Tom constantly saying like, I'm out, I'm so fucking out, I'm done, I'm not doing this. It's like, uh, in a move that surprised no one, Tom is back. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he's trying to convince himself so much that he's not involved in this. It's like, there's no fucking way. He is absolutely going to be involved in this. Sorry, buddy, you've got main character written all over you. Which for once, I was just like, when he was like describing his whole setup, I'm like, that's too bad. I mean, I'd like, just go and live your life. Like, they don't, they don't need you. Like, they're like, don't, you have a nice setup here. You have like a woman that seems to admire you, even though you think you're old and everything. And it's like, you both, you love her. She loves you. You got like steady work. You got things going on. It's like, do you really need to go on this adventure quest right now? Just like, I don't know. I was kind of like rooting for him to just kind of like stay put for a while, like enjoy life. Like bad things are gonna happen to your character. You're you're just like <laughs> you're the mentor. You're helpful. You've already died once, so as a fake out, mm. you're gonna you're gonna actually die if you keep going on this route. Yeah, that that uh, was my kind of last thought. Was the Taviran nature is starting to reveal itself in these chapters pretty heavily? Like you just have mm-hmm. Bale Doman getting like you get kind of sucked in, and Tom somehow appearing again. So you can start to see just kind of like the the leaves like swirling in the in the whirlpool kind of feeling of some of these characters around it. Yeah, when you were talking about that, and when and Keeley was talking about that before too, I was thinking of uh, I don't know if many people have played it. There was a '90s PlayStation 
PlayStation game called Moon, where you basically, you, you play as this character in a fantasy world where you're not the hero and you're in this like small, these small towns and villages where the hero, uh, who the hero of light keeps coming through and wrecking shit and just call it causing like, uh, um, you know, doing the whole destroying pots things and, and, uh, and, and dra- draining shops of their inventories and flooding local economies with currency and put monsters following after them and killing townsfolk kind of thing, which, uh, yeah, very much the vibes that, uh, that I'm getting on, uh, getting, getting some of those, those, you know, normal people perspectives, of what, it, what it's like to all that. Did you guys talk about, I, I, I don't know if you, if you may have talked about it in the last episode or one of the ones from the first season, I didn't listen to all the podcasts, but just like the Harry Potter-esque feel of, of this is starting to get real for me, for Rand, where he's like, I didn't ask for any of this. And like, you know, what am I, what, uh-huh. why am I so special? And everyone's uh-huh. like, you're the one. And you're like, you know, just yeah. sh- shaking. As I was reading through this, I kept yeah. thinking like, oh my God, this is like, Harry Potter was like, like it feels like it was copied from this in, so- in some of those uh, those kind of ways. I think I, I I think we've each mentioned it at some point. I, I remember talking about the or, the strong order of the phoenix vibes oh, for, for just the so the, edgy. the angsty misery. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, how many that, chapters that. does Harry spend just bitching about being the chosen one and how miserable his life is in that one? Just like I feel like uh-huh. the last section of that book was like five <laughs> chapters of just like Harry breaking shit and like screaming that he like hates his life or whatever. I'm, being mean to his friends yeah <laughs> being an asshole to everyone around him and it's like it's warranted because i have a miserable life yeah we've I, talked about that that it's like rand is constantly like i'm just a fucking shepherd it's like <laughs> well you're not so fucking accept it but it's also it's just like I, saying it this way makes it sound so much worse than it is but what is i don't understand this uh like repeated thing that happens in fantasy where grown men are just like obsessed with teenage boys like why why is this such a fucking thing like why i mean i know why you know it's just how the characters play out but it's just like is that not fucking weird to everyone in town that like this grown man this dark one whatever he is is obsessed with these teenage boys who may or may not be special like you know i don't know it it helps me deal with how annoying rand is Oh, at, at all these uh, huge, powerful people taking such an undue interest in his life, kind of. The, yeah. Yeah. Well, next time we'll be getting into <laughs> chapters 31 to 35 and, uh, and seeing what happens of our, our very special moody boy, Rand, uh, who's having so much trouble being being the chosen one. Um, which I wonder if that, that, I feel like that is, yeah, maybe just a broad trope of if you're going for the the whole monomyth thing of like, if, if you're doing the idea that the hero has to reject the call and then they keep rejecting the call and they keep rejecting and keep uh, resenting the call and refusing to do the thing for a long time. It does seem really common. And uh, we'll see how long that maintains itself. This episode of Wattcast was produced by yours truly. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Caleb Wimble. Dan, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram under the handle Pansy Dan. Keely, where can people find you? On Twitter and Instagram at Keely underscore reads. And, and Nick, uh, if I'm not mistaken, if you if you don't have uh, if you still don't have a public facing internet presence, which I believe is the case, uh, in what fictional Wheel of Time nation can people find you? <laughs> the sh- I don't know the Shinar. <laughs> it's nice nice uh, yep. and uh, cold up there, like it is here now. Nice. Good and crisp, and, and everybody's just uh, just says what they mean for the most part. Uh, real real chill bunch. Ah, good old Shinar. Uh, remember, you can find us all at Wattcast.net. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Wattcast Podcast if you want to get alerted by, uh, by new episodes when they post. 
and support the show at patreon.com slash Wattcast. You can also support us by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. This helps a lot, especially if you write a review, even if it's really short, that, that gives it a huge bump up in the algorithm. And we'd be happy to read those reviews off here on the show. Of course, the number one way you can support the show is to tell a friend. Word of mouth means the world to us. That's all for today. Thanks so much for listening, folks. And remember, this is not the ending. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But this is an end. Farewell. Farewell.